Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found, Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Our second reading is taken from 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 to 17. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. This is one of those times when it pays to be a member, basically. If you are a member of St. Columns and you receive the e-news each week, you will already know that there is a link uh, and a password to a video presentation by Louise, who is one of the Church Missionary Society teachers. Uh, and, and that presentation is a gift just for the people of St. Columns, so we will not present it here in this public video. Uh, please check it out. It's brilliant stuff for helping guide the future mission, not only of our church, but also I think of every uh, church in Australia that's trying to discern uh, what God is building today in our hyper-diverse and rapidly changing country. But if you're sticking with us now, I'm going to be talking about one of the Bible readings that Louise has uh, given us today uh, from 1 Corinthians 3. Now, our parish council has set up a, a team to guide us for the future of this parish, a planning team. Uh, but it's always worth asking when we come to a period where we're planning, what is it we're actually trying to achieve? What's our vision? What are we for? Now, Claire, as you know, another one of the CMS teachers, told us last week that in, in 1 Peter 2, that when we radically entrust ourselves to Jesus Christ, our identity changes. We become chosen. We become precious. We become uh, God's own possession. We become living spirit-filled stones being built into a temple of the Holy Spirit. So we are God's building project. Our lives, our lives together are God's building project. Where we're holy, we're royal, we're a priesthood. We're, we're, that is, we're, we're priests who mediate between God and the world. We bring the world to God and, and God to the world. Uh, and our lives, in all aspects of our lives, uh, become costly sacrifices of praise to God. Why? To what purpose? What are we for? According to 1 Peter chapter 2, it's that we may declare the praises of him who has done so much for us. Now, that's not to declare our moral authority or our superior ethical system or our wonderful and ancient church traditions. No. It's so we could say that we were living in darkness and God has pulled us into light. If God has enough mercy and enough humour to do that for an idiot like me, then he can do that for you too. Now, as we come to 1 Corinthians 3, as we continue our series on mission, 
We're still asking the question, what is the church for? But we get a different angle on the same answer. What the Apostle Paul emphasizes basically is growth. Uh, We're here to grow in our mission. We're here to grow in maturity, that is in holiness and in discipleship as believers. Now, maturity in Christ begins with the cross of Jesus, according to Paul. And then it goes on to learn how to apply the cross of Jesus uh, in each aspect of our lives until each part of our lives is full of that same tough but humble love that God has shown us in the cross of Jesus. Now, when Paul came to Corinth, he not only told them about the cross, but he lived this out in his mission, in his evangelism. He wasn't well when he arrived, and uh, he seemed to some to be weak or inept or unconvincing. He wasn't kind of the gifted showman, keynote speaker that many of the ancient Greeks uh, preferred, and to be honest, the kind of speakers that we prefer as well. But the church grew. Because some of the people who heard Paul learnt from his preaching the true wisdom and power of God. They learnt the humility of the cross and they began to learn the cross in their lives as well. That this is what God means by love. Now, after Paul's pioneering ministry in founding the church in Urbane, Corinth, Basically, what happened was pride surfaced, factions developed, egos tried to take centre stage, you know, the the usual stuff. So we, we read this from 1 Corinthians 3. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. Uh, you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? You are acting like mere humans. For when says, I, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? Now, the stunning thing is, back in chapter 1 of this letter, Paul thanks God that the Corinthian church is a gifted church. But by the time you get to chapter 3, we learn they're also immature, gifted, but immature. They'd started with the cross, and of course they'd started with the cross, because it's the cross of Jesus Christ that makes us Christians at all. But they hadn't grown into the cross. They hadn't kept going into the cross. And the evidence for this, Paul says, is that there are divisions in the church. What does he mean by that? Well, he just means, well, you're acting like everyone else in the culture. So the problem with having all those gifts but no cross in how they're used, we know this, don't we? we, we some, of the, some of the most damaging people in, in a church can actually be some of the most gifted, some of the most impressive people, but they can also be the most loveless as well. And that's why you get that famous passage uh, from 1 Corinthians in chapter 13, where, where Paul is talking about their gifts, but also their lovelessness. So, okay, you've got 
some sort of wisdom. You've got tongues. You've got prophecy. You apparently, you've even got the spiritual gift of administration at one point, he says. But it all becomes noisy, clanging cymbals, just gongs bashing in the wind. Wisdom gaining nothing, prophecy being useless, even martyrdom, not achieving anything. Uh, it's basically damaging if you're using that to serve yourself. All you've done is line up with what everybody else is doing and you, you form factions uh, behind your favourite leaders. And, and Paul is pulling the rug out from underneath them. And he says basically this. It is God who grows his church, period, full stop, end of argument. So from verse 5, after all, what is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. What is a Christian minister? Only a servant of someone greater. And their job is to build with God, to join in his work, his planting, his building project. Uh, They will labour, they will water to see God's church built and mature in Christ. So there's a couple of points here. One is that the ministers in the church in Corinth, and and by the ministers you'll see as you go through the letter, Paul will include some of the lay ministers as well. Don't do it all. They shouldn't receive the glory that is due to God for the growth in numbers or the growth in maturity that he gives. And secondly, how the ministers build that the church needs to know what good ministry looks like because the workmanship matters. They've got to ask whether or not their ministers are building first on the right foundation and then second, are they building with quality materials that will last or is a a dodgy job, basically. Um, So do we, as disciples of Jesus, know how to recognise a well-built church when we come across one. Because the foundation, says Paul, must be Christ. It must be Jesus Christ, the crucified Son of God. There is no church without that foundation, no matter how big, no matter how impressive the superstructure becomes. It is only by trusting Jesus that we are Christians at all. And secondly, we need to build with things that will last. In the context, Paul has been talking a lot about the things that won't last, uh, the, the pride, the, the clever but self-seeking wisdom that us human beings are so good at. If we're not showing the substance of the cross, we're not building well. If we're using spiritual gifts, but without what the cross shows us love is, we're building poorly. If, if we're forming ministerial heroes and gathering factions and crowds around them, then that's just the building materials of human pride. That's that's just the things in which we boast. It is not the stuff that will last. 
because no human boast will ever stand before God on the day of judgment. And I have to admit, in my experience, a church that is built like that in Australia today probably won't even make it to the next generation, let alone to the last day. But what will survive the day of judgment is anything built upon the cross and flowing from it. That ministry will last. Those people will last. They'll be standing mature and precious before God. Paul gives us examples of this in the rest of his letter when we read 1 Corinthians. Have we understood the unity of the cross? Because we're one body with many parts, but we're in Christ together. We've got different political Opinions. We've got different hairstyles. We like different colours. We wear different clothes. We speak different languages. We, we come from different races, but we're one body in Christ. Have we understood the holiness of, of the cross? In chapters 5 to 7 of 1 Corinthians, where we are separate from the world, but also engaged with the world in God's mission there. Have we understood the humility of the cross? Do we suffer wrongs well in chapter 6? Have we understood the uniqueness of the cross? It's the cross alone that brings us to God. It's the cross alone that, that warns and informs our worship in, in chapters 8, chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. Have we understood the warnings of the cross, that the judgment of God is real in chapter 10? That discipleship is not a game, but it's a calling. Have we understood the mercy of the cross? God for us in the cross. And that same love that, that we, we read about in 1 Corinthians 13 is now being formed in us as we go deeper into the cross with which we started the Christian life in. Now, when over the coming months, our parish council, the planning team and members of our church ask, we ask ourselves, what are we trying to achieve here at St. Columns? What are our resources? What are our strategic opportunities? What's our vision? What are we for? We'd better take this on board, hadn't we, if we want to build anything that's lasting. It's not our gifts. It's not our buildings it's, or our youth program that will stand up to the day of generation or even to the day of uh, judgment or even into the next generation. But it is lives that have been founded on Jesus Christ and built up in him. Those things will last, and that's the game. I think part of St. Colum's calling by God has been to take people in for a time and then to farewell them to other parts of the church. I can think about hundreds of people who've been through our ministries over the last decade and more where we've seen people come to him um, or come to us as a church in all sorts of conditions, a bit damaged, or maybe you're seeking, you're curious, or sceptical, or already formed and ready to be committed to the life of the local church. And, and, and the question I, I want to ask is, have we helped them to be better disciples of Jesus? Have we helped them to mature, going further into the cross that they started on? They grown. Have we done our job? I think the answer is yes, we have. 
and we've got much to be thankful for. But I also know that the world that God loves keeps changing and there is more to learn. There, there is more we need to be prepared to change about ourselves as well. As we plan ahead, uh, we will want to have the deep passion that God has to see people become mature disciples of the Lord Jesus, to see them founded on the cross and growing in the love of the cross, because that's what we are for. Now, this is where Paul and Peter use the same image of the church that they both refer to the church as a spiritual temple, that is, as a place of worship that God is building amongst the nations. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you, writes Paul. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. How precious we are to God. He's given us his son. He's given us his spirit. He will destroy any person who knowingly or unknowingly destroys or divides his temple. When Paul came to establish the church in Corinth, he wanted their faith to be in something that would last. Uh, so he preached to them the cross of Jesus Christ because he knew it, that was the power of God to save us and also to grow us. So we have begun in Christ and he's crossed. And here's the vision. Let's go on in Christ. And as Louise shows us in her talk, let's learn together how to build on, how to build by and how to build with the cross in our daily lives, and then watch what happens to our mission. I think it will astonish us. I think we will see things we had not expected to see. There is more to be done. There is more to learn. There is more grace to take hold of. And in this day and in this time, the Lord is raising up opportunities for us all over the place, if only we would see them. Let's be bold enough to take hold of them, to begin in the cross, and to go on into the cross, growing in Christ Jesus. That's how the church grows.